Hey team, it's Mark here with this podcast that I launched or that I put up that video about last week. Um, it's a little bit weird launching a podcast and Tommy here is giving me shit about being nervous, but we're just going to give it a crack. So I'm going to start by introducing the reason that I decided to do this and, and the problem that I'm looking to solve. I'm now 25 and when I was 22, I was still in university in Ireland um, and figuring out what I was going to do. I was doing a business course. Now, when I was at that age, I was actually pretty clued in and switched on regarding career options and what existed out there. Um, and I ended up going to an investment bank, to be honest, just because they made good money and because it brought me to Australia. I, I'm now at Google. I never even uh, thought about applying to Google back then because I honestly thought that I needed to learn how to code if I was going to work for them. Um, and I, I was oblivious to the fact that it was actually an enormous sales organization. So I'm aware of the kind of... Um, lack of awareness and knowledge that uni students have as to what career options are available, what different buzzwords actually mean. And the sole aim of this podcast is to break down that barrier and kind of wipe clean the window between university and the real world. It's also my opinion that, um, or something that I've learned is that university students are really the most important people in the world. And I say that for two reasons. Firstly, because they're tomorrow's uh, consumers. So the trends that they adhere to are going to be the trends that companies need to cater to. And that makes their consumption habits infinitely important to all um, companies out there and businesses out there. And secondly, then they're tomorrow's leaders. So the principles and the values that are instilled in today's university students are the principles and values that are going to be enacted upon the planet from leadership positions in um, in the years to come. So making sure that our uni students are as informed and knowledgeable about the real world as possible is definitely the goal of this. I think it's very important and I think there are a lot of things we could be doing to do a better job of that. So this podcast is going to be aiming at, at playing a small role in, in tackling that challenge. Now, I'm delighted to have with me for the first episode of this podcast, um, my good friend Tommy, who works with me here at Google and um, is a very interesting character. So. Tommy's going to talk about all things sort of sales, a bit about his background as well, and may even be so kind as to give himself a little introduction here as well. <laughs> sure, thanks. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast, Mark. Um, yeah, guys, uh, this is my first time ever being interviewed, period, let alone be on a, be on a podcast. So yeah, try not to uh, shit on me too much <laughs> when uh, you're listening to this in your headphones. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to be kind of talking about it. You know, I'm obviously a, a pretty standard sort of individual. So hopefully some of my stories, you know, are going to be pretty relatable and particularly my background, I think will be quite relatable to a few of you out there. But yeah, in terms of kind of who I am and where I've come from, I'm same age as Mark, 25 years old, um, have worked at two tech startups before I came to Google, um, both in kind of sales roles as I'm currently in a sales role at Google. And then before that, I was studying a commerce degree. Uh, which is kind of business and economics. Um, and yeah, kind of landed myself here and, and kind of with Mark. Um, but happy to kind of give a little bit more sort of personal uh, background as well. I'm wondering, I actually haven't asked you this. When you were in uni, did you, so you did uh, accounting in uni. We'll go into that a bit yeah, later. Of course. Did you have a need, did you feel the need for this? You can say no if you want to. The need for a podcast like this or some medium through which you can learn about the job opportunities out there. Yeah, I guess what I hated um, at 
at, at university was like, so I did, I did a major in, in marketing and, and accounting. And marketing, like I think anybody who's listening to this podcast has done marketing at university, it's very, very, very wishy-washy, yeah. you know, pretty stuff, you know, you can kind of, I guess you pay, you know, a grand a subject for something you could probably read in the textbook and figure out straight away. The Irish like, word for that is spoofy. Yeah. Very spoofy. Yeah, it's, it's not physics. Like, you can, it's like reading the newspaper. So it's, it's deadly easy to understand. But yeah, so I didn't want to, didn't really, like, nothing in marketing kind of jumped at me. Um, but accounting was kind of found that to be like a little bit interesting. Financial accounting, not so much. The kind of dry credits and debits, like, not that interesting. Mm -hmm. But management accounting was, was really interesting. So that was like looking at, like, uh, you know, how do I look? break-even points, looking at sort of business models, um, looking at management theories, um, and then doing a whole bunch of case studies as well. Kind of like a sort of management consulting light kind of subject. Not, yeah. not too analytical, but um, had kind of elements there. And that was like really engaging. But I guess the, the need for some of this type of podcasts, like I would love to have, I guess, heard from more people who didn't necessarily go down like the typical accounting route. Anybody who came to speak to us, you know, in accounting to kind of give us career advice was like, you know, some guy gone into auditing at KPMG um, and, you know, he was part of the, the finance society um, or the accounting society. And I was never really interested in, in being that type of person. Just, Those guys were too intense. Just build, it, build the resume, you know, do, join all the societies, be part of all the clubs, you know, which is all great and stuff. And then, you know, but... And then, you know, go straight into auditing and do your three years doing, you know, cash receivables yeah. and, you know, or, you know, accounts receivables and so forth. And so, like, I didn't really hear about other stories of what, what else was possible out there. Like, wh what other avenues, what, like, what other businesses can people work for straight out of university? Yeah. Um, and, and if they're not, like, an absolute, you know, gun you know like what's possible besides the big four banks or the big four accounting firms or the management consulting firms or um, investment banks like where else where else can you go to to go to work yeah um, and I didn't know what was possible and I'm happy to kind of talk about how I guess I landed at like two two tech startups yeah as well. I'd, be, I'd be interested to hear I'm just like uh, we went through a very similar thing in Ireland so for Ireland it was the very like the one percent is if even went to consulting firms or investment banks in London, not in Dublin, they're not set up there. 80% of business grads then go into the big four accounting, which is kind of hilarious. And like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just everyone just defaults there straight away. And then if you're not one of those numbersy people, everyone goes, and I hate to fit the Irish stereotype, to the drinks companies, to the marketing sections of the drinks companies, where they can do really cool like overseas programs and live abroad and all that sort of stuff. but. Um, that there, other than those three options, I literally didn't know mm -hmm. um, what else was going on. So yeah, you were in accounting, enjoying management accounting, which was my favorite subject in uni actually. I only did one semester of it. It was one of the very few A's that I got. You go from something kind of intellectually stimulating like that and you go straight to a startup to sales. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Particularly, and maybe elaborate a bit on the family context as well, where everybody's going into um, more suit and tie sort of things. Yeah, so um, I guess for uh, the, the listeners, just in terms of like my, um, my family, Mark already obviously knows this, but my two brothers both did um, law, law degrees, combined law degrees, one with economics and the other one with science, and both of them went to incredibly prestigious management consulting firms. So one went to McKinsey and the other one went to Bain. Um, and so 
it was just it was hell and i'm sure a lot of you guys can <laughs> can um hell in the sense of you know your, your parents friends asking you you know what, what are your plans so you know which management consulting firm are you going to go to um and that people would always ask me that you know like and i you know the response from me would be like oh i don't really want to go into management consulting and they go why not you know like why don't you want to be a management consultant and i thought the question it would just drive me nuts it, i felt it was almost the same as me asking them why didn't they want to be a management consultant like i'm just not my brothers and that's not who i am you yeah. know so like it's just a completely like in a way a ridiculous question yeah <laughs> to, to be asking me but of course like i understand so I guess a lot of you guys can sympathize who are at university. I'm sure you despise a lot that of those questions. Question, you know, what are you doing? That. You know, what, what are your plans? What do you want to be? And you just want to tell people just like, just, I don't have to tell you, mate. I don't have to justify myself to you. Yeah. You know, I'll, I want to do what I want, you know, type thing. But I was scared of that question. Yeah. I did I did a lot of work experience with barristers. Yeah. And I remember I, I did work experience with this barrister who was kind of in my family indirectly. And then I met him at a, th a family thing a while later. And he goes, oh, so have you decided what you're going to do next year? Yeah. This is like a couple of months before and I said, yeah, I've actually signed on with an, with an investment bank in Australia. And he goes, oh, awesome. Like, well done. What are you going to be doing there? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I've actually got no idea what my <laughs> job is. That's how little I knew. Yeah. I'd already signed on for the bloody thing. And yeah. I didn't know what it entailed. So. Yeah, I think you just go for, for prestige and, and the path that's already been exactly. trodden, right? Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, I think, and there's, it's not to take away from those things. I think they're, like, they're awesome jobs and they're, yeah. they're awesome companies to work for. But I think not everybody wants to do that. And then the people who feel like they should, but they don't, they kind of feel perhaps, I guess, a little bit trapped or a little bit anxious. Yeah. Um, like, what else is out there? How else can I feel like I'm doing something that other people will kind of respect and, and that's something that I'd like to do as well. It's hard yeah. to find that, that no, overlap. Knowing you and, and the intelligence you have and the, the kind of interest you have in a lot of things, I know that you could have gone into a place like that if you wanted to. And you, I think you displayed a courage. At what age were you? 21, 22? Ah, uh, yeah, it's like 22. Like, that was, I don't think I was smart enough, but like, yeah, well, sure. I'll just was, take that compliment. Yeah, let's, let's be real. But yeah, it was, okay. it was courageous. No, I mean, you could have, like, you know, cleaned up after the, the consultant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah. It was courageous of you to not go down that trodden path that always gets the approval of the people asking that trodden yeah. question, what are you yeah. going to do? And even of, of, I don't know, if you succumb to family pressures and that sort of stuff. People always want you to go for the, the straight and narrow, mm -hmm. but you just went off and, and tried these different startups. Yeah. That did take a courage. What was going through your head at that time? Yeah, I think, um, fortunately, my parents were very supportive, whereas, like, I just found everybody else not to be supportive. Or not, not, not supportive, they were just, like, they just didn't understand why I didn't want to go down management yeah. consulting, and they didn't understand why I wanted to go into, potentially, into tech startups, which, um, you know, when I was 22, it was, like, I mean, it was... The tech startups were massive, but they didn't have a you know, huge presence in Australia. Yeah. Um, and nor did they in any way now, but um, when I was looking at them. But I guess the reason why I wanted to go is like, I just became fascinated in Silicon Valley and San Francisco and, and these companies, and I just thought they were really cool. And I just remember deciding that like, I want to work for a technology company. Um, and in terms of like, okay, well, how do I get into a, a technology company? Um, I spoke a lot about it with my dad, who his first job ever proper job after being a vet and having a PhD his first job was being a pharmaceutical sales rep and he went on to um, you know do really big things at that pharmaceutical company so the way I saw it was like I'd love to work for a technology company love to work for a startup that has huge growth potential and I'd like to have actual impact as well because yeah. that was the other thing I noticed from a lot of these auditing firms is that you just get 
um, or investment banking, they just shove, shove you in some dark room and you just crunch all day and, and who knows you know, if, if your impact is noticed. So I thought, I, got, I guess I got kind of allured by the kind of grandeur of, of startups yeah. and, and tech startups and then like, who knows, maybe I can join these and, and have an impact and ride like a massive wave of success. And if it crashes and burns and fails, well, who cares? Because that's all part of the culture. Yeah, and so you, 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 yeah. So you did think about the money. You hope to get maybe equity and get yeah. The, 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 the dream, yeah, the dream would just be like try to get some equity and like who knows, like yeah. who knows what could happen. Like mm. it was just exciting. Um, I wasn't super motivated by money. I think if I was more motivated by money, I'd probably go work in a management consulting firm where you get ninety, hundred k, and then work a few years and then transition into a tech startup. But I was like, just throw me in there already. Like, I just, I just want to see what it's like. Yeah. And so I saw sales as like, um, and I spoke, obviously, this is like a lot of influence from my dad is that, he, you know, he said, always said that this is like the coal face of the company. And, you know, you can have a great product and you can have a great idea, but it doesn't really matter until you sell something. And I think sales can kind of get thrown under the bus as being kind of a sleazy real estate secondhand car salesman kind of yeah business but i think you know it's fundamental to the business like nothing will happen until you sell something um and i think you know other people like peter Thiel and stuff um who's who's That's an awesome guy that big vc yeah you know one of the initial investors in facebook you guys probably already know who he is um but one of the the paypal mafia as well like he never you know always said never underestimate um the power of of like sales and, and marketing. Mm. I found this out later. <laughs> so it was kind of good <laughs> to read that. But yeah, so like, I guess I kind of took the plunge um, because I think that I thought it would be a cool area to have impact and I thought I'd get a lot of exposure to the business. Being smart and coming from that sort of management accounting background, we'll say, or general accounting, did you feel like going into sales was a waste of your brain at all and just talk, talk, talk rather than think, think, think? Yeah, I, well, I think you know, the one that comes down, it always comes down to product. So um, the, the key to sales is always, you know, it's relationship building, but it's also like product knowledge. Yeah. And I think from a salesperson's point of view, um, you have to like, it's, it's a cliche, but you do have to kind of like believe in the product mm. and believe that it works or at least it's going to work for that, that customer who you're approaching. And so let's just like take the first company I worked for um, I'm happy to, to, to talk about it. It was Hotel Tonight, um, which never had a huge presence in Australia, but had, had a decent-sized presence, has, still has a decent-sized presence in the US. It was the kind of first of its kind for booking last-minute hotels on a mobile app. So it kind of, I guess, created that space. And then, you know, lastminute.com and What If and all those guys kind of followed. Well, hang um, on, What If followed them? I thought what if we were there before. No, so Hotel Tonight was kind of like the pioneers of, of this like last minute space. Probably there was always some some kind of last minute player out there doing yeah. something, but uh, Hotel Tonight was the only mobile, oh, okay. mobile only. So they were app only. So the difference there was like private sales channel and, and so forth. We, we yeah. don't have to get too far into <laughs> that. But, but yeah, so Hotel Tonight launching in Australia, they were looking for, for people. I just came up on a LinkedIn search um, as someone who had done a bit of experience at a tech startup beforehand while I was at uni and had a uni degree and they just sent me a LinkedIn uh, message and it all just kind of went from there and then obviously realized that it was a kind of sales and account management role yeah. um, and just thought it was like a, a really cool opportunity and a cool company, cool concept and the business model made sense to me and I thought it was kind of win-win, you know, last minute mobile app for hotels so hotels have excess rooms and they need to shift them last minute, they put them on the app customers who are kind of you know savvy they're looking for a great you know nice 
last minute hotel, they can whip open their phone, three taps, they're booked into a room, they can walk straight in. So I was like, great, everybody kind of wins here. And then we take a clip on that, uh, on that room. Yeah. So I was like, win-win for all three. And I was like, awesome idea. Obviously, my doubts around about the business, business model um, yeah. deepened later on. Um, and the company right now has managed to turn it around. I still think there's some structural problems, but um, otherwise it was, it was a really cool company and just so cool to learn about that business model, like just learn about that kind of on-demand um, app-first business, which I don't think I'd ever get exposure to. I went to you know, yeah. a bank or, or so forth. Yeah. I was always jealous that, um, like when you talk about your experience there, that you're kind of, you're sitting pretty close. So I remember listening to, when I was really interested in finance, a hedge fund manager giving career advice said that the most important thing is to be as high up the hierarchy of thought as you can. Mm. So whoever's making the decisions at the top, he or she, sit as close to him or her as possible and have your thoughts as clearly heard by him or her as possible and vice versa and that's where the real growth and learning is going to come now being at the bottom of macquarie bank or the bottom of google you're behind tens of thousands of people Mm. there's tens of thousands of people between you and the ultimate hierarchy of thought and the person who's making the decisions around your everyday activity you in hotel tonight you were probably sitting pretty close to the guy or or hearing almost or if he was in london you were hearing yeah um, almost directly from them as well yeah it was it was a really interesting setup where like the main headquarters was in san francisco um but then they had a big international office as well in london and so when they decided to launch in australia they obviously opened an office and we had this like shoebox room where you know i was the entry level employee and i was called a what's called a market coordinator yeah. not marketing market so the way like Hotel Tonight works is you have like a Melbourne market or a Sydney oh, market, yeah, yeah. for example, that you would manage um, and launch as well. And then who I sat next to was the country manager. And then the guy who sat next to the country manager was the regional director. <laughs> so and there's only three of us. And so we're all in the same room together, basically coming up with a strategy that was sort of specific for Australia. You straight out of uni. Straight out of uni. So obviously like weighing over my head that's crazy had no idea you know like really what was going on and kind of first time doing sales but first time working a business and you know nowhere to hide like because your two bosses are are sitting right next to you in a small room Um, and I remember the first my first day um, we had all hands with so all hands being a meeting with the the, all the officers worldwide Um, and it was US time and then they had to make sure it worked for London time, which means Australia always gets, gets basically gets shafted in the ass, basically. And I mean, so it was 5 a.m. So my first day started at 5 a.m. Oh, in the morning. And I remember listening to all these guys on this all hands and just all the jargon and the words they were using just had, just, just like, oh my God, what have I done? What was the feeling like there? Were you scared and nervous? Yeah, terrified because... Yeah. I remember like afterwards my boss being like, okay, we're going to sit down and come up with a sales strategy and I want to get you on the phones today. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know anything about the product. I don't even know how hotels work. Like who are we talking to? Like how does, how does the product work on the back end? Like I understand from the front end, like someone sees a room and they book it and they pay for it. But like, what, what does the hotel do? Like I just had no idea what, like at all. And I was like, I can't tell somebody about a product that I don't even understand. Like yeah. it was just panic just like coursing through the body was that so I, I don't i don't know of many or any people who go out of or i was about to say this that i don't know of many people who go out of university and aren't scared shitless in their first job yeah, but the people yeah. i can think of are 
the accountants. And the only reason I can think of why is because they're part of big graduate intakes. Mm-hmm. And they get berated on their first day, but so did their friend. And they go for lunch and they talk about it and they just gradually yeah. get through that way. In Macquarie, I was the youngest on my floor by, on my entire floor by six or seven years. Not yeah. the big seven years between 22 and 29. It sounds like it was pretty similar there in Hotel Tonight. That like you've know if someone gives out to you, it's either it's gonna be him or the guy beside him, and then there's only three of you there. Yeah. Was it kind of like lonely at all? I found it lonely in Macquarie because it was just me and there was no one to express anything to, um, and it was just work, work, work. Was yeah. it kind of like that at all? Or yeah. What, it, was it? It, it it was lonely. Fortunately, like my bosses were quite young, um, right. especially my direct boss who I reported to. He was in his in his young twenties. Right, okay. Uh, oh, sorry, not young 20s. What am I saying? Uh, late 20s. Right. Um, so, and he was, we, after a few few days, we found out that, like, we, we were going to be, like, good mates. And we ended, when we still are, you know, we still. Nice, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good. So, you know, we still talk on a kind of regular basis. So, yeah, he was, I was fortunate um, from, from that respect. And he was a really smart dude. Um, not only analytically, but incredible on the phone, incredible sales guy. Um, and just, like, you could just the one line is that you could just pick up from him talking on the phone, which is amazing. What made him an incredible sales guy? What did um, one line is? One line is he was just he was really smart, just a really really smart guy. Understood, you know where they were coming from, um, understood their their businesses really really well, understood the industry really well, and then understood like our value proposition quite well, and had just a really good way of framing the conversations with them. Um, that always seemed like he was trying to. Um, like his goals were very much aligned with with their goals yeah. in terms of what they were doing, and he he would just make it sound like he totally understood where they were coming from, and you could tell like when he when he talked to clients, um, or talked to hotels, they were like, excited to hear from them, and you know like you could tell that they were smiling or they'd be you know his name is Mark oh, I won't say his name but <laughs> they almost got out but you know they. They, they would just be like, hey, you know, it's so good to hear from you. How are you going? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And this would be after like one conversation that you'd have with Jeez. them. So he was, he was pretty incredible. And then he was, you know, smart as a whip. So when it came down to like numbers and stuff, he could, he really could come through. Yeah. So I'm thinking of our listeners, if there are any, um, who would go like, and people kind of starting, if they're listening to you and they like the idea of how sales sounds, mm. thinking of personality traits that would go well in there mm. then. And as you say earlier, I couldn't agree more. It really depends on what you're selling. If you're selling, like I was technically in sales in the bank and it was an immeasurably or incomparably different role to yeah. sales in Google. Yeah. What would you consider to be, to have been, hang on, I'm going to structure this like three parts of this question. What are the key strengths and weaknesses for sales? How do they differ between sales in a startup and sales of maybe something like Google or anything like that? That's yeah. two parts, I'll leave it there. Yeah, I, I think about this all the time and like, I, I, I mean, I'm only 25 so I've got no idea what makes... A good salesperson, or what doesn't make a good salesperson? Because I don't even know Teach if I, I didn't, I don't even know if I'm a good salesman. Like sometimes you think you're great, and then sometimes you think like, what am I doing? I'm absolute dog shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't sell anything. Um, but I think it came back to what I said. You know, it, it is product knowledge and it is relationship building. I think with something like Hotel Tonight, it comes down to the product. Like if you genuinely believe the product is going to help that business, and you you almost you you take this position that they would be like fucking crazy not to not to sign up with you. Yeah. Like it would be morally um, like 
reprehensible or or it would be uh i i can't i can't i don't know the word i'm it would yeah it would just be it'd be stupid of them not to work with you yeah like that's that's how how that's how much you kind of like believed in what you were doing and that's what i believed in the hotel tonight i was like if you have excess rooms and you need to sell them and they're going to go empty if you don't sell them like why wouldn't you you know why wouldn't you use us like we're just going to sell rooms that you couldn't sell yourself like they're going to go empty like use us and at the time we you know the value prop was that it was only iphone users so it was only an ios app and the idea there was that the iphone was still relatively new it's like now everybody's got one but back in the day you could kind of say that it's more of a, like an affluent person who was using an you know, iphone yeah. um and it was probably more like an affluent person booking hotels yeah. on on an app just because you were kind of similar to uber when they first started it was you know, higher end. higher end, you know, tech entrepreneurs and, and people are just very tech savvy. So that was the argument that this was like almost potentially a customer acquisition tool for them. Yeah. So, you know, get this person in on this one time cheap rate and then try to flip them into a loyal customer doing all your sort of spin and stuff. Mm-hmm. So coming back to your question about what does it make to be a successful salesman it's just to the point where like you don't have to sell because the product, you know, the product so well and so inside out and it's such a great product. Yeah. that it would just be like it would be silly for them not to consider it or even to test it mm. and if you frame it like that i mean you you got to be fortunate that you're working at a company that's got a really good product yeah. fortunately i have especially a company like google but where it's just like it just makes sense like you should test this and try it yeah and if you if your product doesn't have any, any contractual issues i.e., like they're not locked in to do anything with you it just costs them nothing yeah so you just be like, let's just try this, guys. Like, I think it would really work for you. Like, and if it's not working, like, we'll just call it a day anyway. Yeah. And you just come in from that angle. So I think it's it's really like number one, really believing in your product and really understanding who your customer is and how you solve that problem. Yeah. Um, I agree yeah. with that. And and you know, you just talk to them like they're they're like they're like you. No, there's one thing as well I've noticed is everybody hates to be sold. Mm. Hate it. Nobody wants to be sold. As soon as they hear that you're, you've got sales in your title, you know, whether it be um, you know, head of sales or you know, sales consultant or anything like that, they, they, they hate it because yeah. nobody wants to feel like they've got them one over on you. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you want to come in from this view of like, we're excited to talk to you or we're excited about the potential of this partnership. Mm. and also act like you know we don't work with everybody and we're also selective about who we work with yeah as well just like you guys are so you try to put create a bit of status as well yeah so it's people who can really sort of have a lot of confidence in their product but also able to kind of create status around themselves um yeah i guess those are the yeah and w- one kind of myth i'd like to bust just for the purposes of this is um people listening thinking about podcasts or thinking about sales if someone most people, as you say, assume sales guys to be spoofers and bullshitters and just yeah. words, 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 do, do whatever, actually saying do whatever it, it yeah, takes. And, and yeah. snaky. I have learned that the most effective way to do or to sell would probably be the exact opposite of that. So I'm thinking about um, who I think would be like if I was to hire someone to sell, one of the first names to come to my mind, you won't believe this, would be my housemate Harry. And he yeah. won't mind me saying this because I'm going to be paying him a compliment. He might throw something at me later. If I said this, and Harry is a rugby coach, and he is literally the type to throw, he is, he, the guy couldn't spell bullshit. There was just no fucking around with this mm-hmm. guy at all. He's just as straight a shooter as they come, and I love it. And if 
I said to him, "You're going to be a salesperson, or you're a great salesperson." He'd probably again throw something at me because yeah. he would he he'd hate the stigma that's attached to it. Yeah. But the reason why he's such a good salesperson is the exact reason why he'd hate to be called one, because he has such a distaste for bullshit, mm. and he would just simply present an argument to you and say, "This is a pure fact. Take it or leave it." But this is a fact, and you're not changing that. Mm. It's that approach that makes him such a good convincer of yeah. ideas that he actually believes in. So. If I, if I started a business, I'd say, Harry, this is what the business does. Do you believe in that? Yeah, okay, I'll offer you fucking anything to be my salesperson. Because he will just present it so cleanly and clearly. And in such an honest way. Like, there's, mm. there's no agenda at all. Just so, it's pure honesty. I think that works perfectly with sales. And it's, it's, I look at my job here as, instead of selling to someone, because I hate selling. I hate feeling like I'm selling. Yeah. For the same reason. Absolutely. Present it to them. Say, this is it. This is what it does. Take it or leave it. This is, you know, it's... It, obviously in your interest look at the data but you know it's your choice yeah that's there the times i've taken that approach are the times that it's worked best so to accounting students science students anyone like that who might feel like they want the rewards of sales because sales can be very rewarding financially and in other ways and we, we might talk about that as well actually don't rule it out because you think it's a bullshitty thing the bullshitters get caught out and wouldn't go very far in it. I think the, the people who are more like you guys, and I'm talking to, again, the straight thinkers, you guys actually would do very, very well in sales because of your honest and, and clear approach. Yeah, and I think when you talk to, um, when you talk to higher levels, um, higher level ups, you know, if, if, it depends who you're selling to. If you're selling to like a CEO or a SFO or stuff, you can't, like, you just get found out if yeah. you're bullshitting. Yeah. So, and you get to pick up on that more and more. And I think that's what you said perfectly. It's like, if you can present the data in, in such a way or present the case in such a way that's so factual yeah, and that you just, you just rely on just their the, the rationale. Yeah. It's just like, they're just a rational human being that would be neg negligent for them not yeah. to, to do it. And I think th that's, that's sales. I think that's about 90% of sales. I think the other 10% of sales is where people, are, you know, whether they engage in any type of, transaction there's always going to be a level of uncertainty and there's always going to be a, le a level of like okay there's there's risk involved in this transaction yeah and i think where the salesperson comes in where the salesperson makes the difference between say the hardcore cold analyst yeah is convincing that the risk that is worth the it, risk is worth it. Yeah. the person deep down knows it is mm. they just need someone sometimes to just like grab them by the shoulder and not don't i'm not tony <laughs> robbins don't actually touch the person but literally just grab them and just be like let's just do this like yeah. don't worry it's gonna work like i've got your back type you don't use these words obviously yeah. but that's what they're looking for in a salesperson sometimes is like I, like I really want to you presented the facts I'm just nervous though because I've got all these people I've got to report to mm. just make me feel confident and that's where the salesperson kind of comes in is that last 10% 100% and a key yeah. skill there the key skill I would I, I'd say being emotional intelligence yeah yeah and that's where the, the relationship building yeah. is so you've like you've your product knowledge is so good. Your understanding of, of them and their needs is so strong. And you've tailored the product or you've pitched it in such a way that it just makes sense for them. Yeah. And now that's when the relationship comes in and they're just like, they know that they can trust you. Yeah. And they know that like, you're going to be there with them when they've got to answer to, you know, the, you know, the various people that they report to. Yeah. And I think that's why they, that's why you need a salesperson. That's why, that's why salespeople are still around mm. and they haven't, you know, yeah, haven't been, that, that's an irreplaceable been role. Automated, yeah. And to students listening, so the, what I just said kind of goes two ways. If you don't think you're right for sales, kind of uh, according to its 
general or traditional sort of uh, connotations. You might well be wrong, and it's probably worth you looking in, particularly, as we say, if you're somewhat emotionally intelligent and, and enjoy dealing with people. And uh, similarly, or inversely then, if someone out there is like the most outgoing person on the planet, you mightn't even enjoy sales that much. There might be too much sort of analysis involved in it for you. There's a lot more analysis, particularly selling in technology where it's data-driven. It mightn't suit, and it hasn't, from what we've seen, suited some of the yeah. most outgoing people because <laughs> it just doesn't, um, it's not exactly what they're looking for. So don't rule it in or out too soon because it is, as you say, as Tommy says, one of the three probably most important roles within a business. You've got product, um, finance, and, and sales. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely going to be a big part of a lot of careers. And, and as you say, your dad was a bloody PhD vet. Yeah, he turns into a sales rep. Was that how did I? What age were you when you did that? You were probably like didn't even exist. Really. Uh, yeah, I think I, I probably yeah just come into existence. So yeah, maybe a bit of background for the listeners because I find yeah. that inspiring. That yeah. open mindedness inspiring. Yeah, did veterinary science. Easily could have become a doctor. Yeah, um, but just loved animals. Became a did veterinary science. Became a vet. Um, did incredibly well in terms of marks, and then did a PhD um, down in down in Melbourne. Um, and the PhD was in, you know, the, the bones of, of, of horses. Like it was just, just, <laughs> oh just ridiculous, God. you know, like you, yeah, really smart. And then I think just at some point realized that, you know, he, he was about to have three kids on the way and I don't think a veterinary career was going to kind of cover, going to kind of cover everything yeah, that, he, okay. that he wanted. And so he did a, like a short business degree and, and, um, basically, um, uh, yeah, went into sales at pharma- in pharmaceutical company, and they wouldn't take him. They wouldn't take him initially. Initially, because they thought he was overqualified. What? And so they thought it was ridiculous. And then obviously, you know, got in there, managed to convince them, and then quickly and very quickly um, went into actually marketing. Um, and marketing for pharmaceutical companies is quite different from what we right, normally okay. think about marketing. It's learning how to kind of market the the actual like. The, the drug to to doctors and um the, the various mar- like there's a there's a it's it's quite a different kind of um, discipline to say marketing a KitKat yeah yeah that's pretty cool right we've yeah, got cool we've problem. got um got ten minutes left yeah do you have any and and again thinking of the purposes of these students do you have any fears as a salesperson like a lot of salespeople fear maybe they're not going to hit their target and we'll I guess we can talk about the comp- compensation there as well given that it's heavily skewed towards hitting certain targets that yeah. you have. I didn't know that when I was in college. Um, and then next steps career-wise as well. How do you feel about... We'll go with the next steps thing first. Yeah, I think um, next steps, yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing about sales is why, like, I think it's a great way to get into a company. I think it's a great entry into into companies. And I think it's important that you you take a position where you're like, I'm not going to be in sales forever. This is not going to be my job. Mm-hmm. But there's no better way to learn about a product than to, than to actually sell it as well as interact with the customers like, yeah. on a daily basis. So it's pretty incredible. Like as a sales rep, you can kind of, you know, you sometimes know more what, you know, customers are thinking and feeling about your product at the low levels than, you know, p- potentially, you know, like other people who, who sit within the, the company who are higher up than you. Yeah. Um, and you know that that's you know it's a good thing and, and a bad thing because sometimes you can be stuck in in the in the reads and you're not like forward thinking enough because you're constantly trying to figure out how do I like fix these little incremental problems for yeah. for customers about the product rather than thinking about the big vision. But in terms of like next steps, I think it's it's a yeah it's a great way to kind of 
um, build up your, your product knowledge. And then it's, it really just depends on the company, what other opportunities you think you are. So typically for like the previous two companies that I have, the logical move was like, you become a sales rep there. Um, and then you have a bunch of account managers. So it's a kind of hunter farmer model where yeah. sales, sales reps just constantly feeding the farmers, which is the account managers. And they just manage these accounts. And then as a sales rep, at some point you just go, I'm just going to become an account manager. I can't, I can't deal with this target. Yeah. You can yeah. delve a bit yeah. deeper into it as well. Yeah. Um, the other option is as a sales rep, you start thinking about, okay, how do I go after bigger and more sophisticated deals or more strategic deals for the company? Yeah. Um, so it depends which vertical you're in. So for instance, I worked at Deliveroo, which is an online or sorry, on-demand food delivery mm. startup app. You order food from restaurants. Basic sales for me was signing up restaurants. Um, but after a time was just like, I just can't keep walking into restaurants yeah. and keep doing the same thing over and again. So we started to think about, okay, well, what are, what are things that require sales skills that are, but can be a little bit more strategic? So can we maybe try to go and sign up corp- corporates to use Deliveroo yeah, so you, as a you, food, food delivery? You can so be innovative and thoughtful and how yeah, you go after people. Exactly, yeah. Or, or can we go and um, sign up uh, like a, a real estate group that that you know, manages a bunch of different malls that have restaurants within them and you do a deal with them and you don't even have to interact with the restaurants and you end up signing 100 restaurants yeah. up by doing one deal. And so that stuff added a little bit more level of sophistication and as a, as a result, learnings as well. So you felt like you were developing yourself from a career point of view. Yeah. So I think there's room to grow within sales and then at some point you're like, okay, I'm going to need to get out of this. And I think it really depends on, on the business that you're at in yeah i think it's a very good way to get into strategy and, and as you say company leadership as well because yeah. you're right there in the front line so you need to understand how your business is perceived yeah. how it's perceived versus competitors what competitors are doing which way things are moving and say with us and facebook we need to understand us and facebook really well yeah so that we're able to kind of sell and, and advise um correctly between them so yeah and I then you start looking at exactly like, good for that like partnerships as well yeah so like a big part of you know to trying to mature as a sales rep is like you know what what can be some strategic partnerships that this company could enter in with with other businesses that would exist so for Deliveroo you know could you think about partnering say with like Qantas in some way shape or form which Deliveroo did yeah and you know if you spent a dollar on Deliveroo you would get two you know frequent flyer points with with Qantas and so you put together these these deals yeah and you would still have to pitch Qantas on who Deliveroo was you know but this this was like a really cool way to kind of influence the strategic direction of the company um, in, in terms of like who they align themselves with. And then upon that, you could also look at like what are other different business models within Deliveroo, for example, or within your business that you could potentially go into as well. Yeah. Um, so Deliveroo looks, is looking at like cool ones at the moment in the UK by having like... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, like pop up kitchens in in areas that don't have, um, that don't have an undersupply of burger restaurants. Right. So there's a shitty town, but lots of wealthy people who live there, and they're densely populated. Sorry, when I mean shitty town, a shitty town that has like, sorry, a shitty town that has no restaurants. <laughs> yeah. So, the, yeah. So like, wealthy people densely populated, but there's no restaurants. So it's like, well, that's an untapped market. How do we get, you know, yeah. a, 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 how do we get food to those people? And so you could say okay, well then, like, let's do a deal with a famous burger chain or uh, mm. a famous pizza chain um, in, this is in the UK, and how do we get their restaurant and, and put that in a shipping container? And you would do a deal there and you would pitch them on the idea and you would come up with 
the the sharing revenue model and and so forth and that again was you were having immediate impact on the strategic direction of, of yeah. the business rather than just doing the day-to-day kind of sales so yeah. more corporate development yeah, if, if you will if, yeah. you, if, if you're going to work for someone i think partnerships is as interesting as it gets yeah um to listeners as well sales is a really good background i was told and i didn't understand it but now i'm told and i understand it for entrepreneurship because of the the pressure that's on you to kind of deliver so if you're a self-starter and as entrepreneurs obviously all are they need to just create something out of thin air Hmm. sales is the only way that's going to be done and so the the pressure on you to always be the energy source in sales is very good training for for starting to develop things and build things and we're lucky in the position where we're yes we're in sales but we're also in digital marketing and so when i started doing um this and the other stuff i'm doing then learning how to market it savvily on, on if mm. that's a word on digital became a whole lot easier yeah um that's a positive a couple of minutes left that's a positive the negatives of sales we'd be remiss if we let's extend this by an hour lots of negatives no, yeah but if we just delve quickly into them and even just list them off i think these guys will get them um pretty quickly so you mentioned the big one going into restaurant after restaurant after restaurant after restaurant saying the same old spiel getting the same old treatment you're a sales rep get the fuck out type of thing can you speak to that a little bit and elaborate on it yeah of course yeah so i think with, with sales it's it's like especially so if you're if you're a volume type sales um so obviously you've got you know the, the low low volume high yield type sales environment and then the high volume low yield yeah. type sales environment so deliverer was definitely high volume low yield um, in terms of like our compensation as well as impact on the business. Um, so I think the thing is what you really get sick about is like, yes, it's Groundhog Day. It's the same thing, doing it over and over again. And I think the thing that really irks you is the fact that you'll pitch somebody and you'll do a great job and they'll love you and you have this awesome interaction with them, this great relationship. They sign on the contract. They go, we're so excited to start. They start. It's going incredibly well for them. You have this glowing feeling. You're like, this is excellent. Like... I've done well for my company, I've done well for this business, like you feel great. Literally 15 minutes later, you will go out of that restaurant and you will walk into another one and they will treat you like dirt. Yeah. And you just go from feeling incredible to feeling absolutely terrible. And you just having to grapple with the reset button every single time, if you're especially in a high volume environment, is you go from this great win to just being like, oh my God, I've got this. Like, I figured this out. It's clicked. I know. Yeah. Like, I've, I've solved this. I'm the, I'm the man. And then you turn around and someone just throws you right back down. Um, and you get, a, like, a really harsh reality check. So I think that that's the biggest thing, I think, about high-volume type sales environment yeah. is the reset button. Um, and I think people find that really fatiguing. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. draining. I, yeah. I struggle with it as well, for sure. Yeah. And I think the other thing which sucks about sales, as well as we, I think we didn't talk about enough, which is targets. Like, yeah. And it's, it comes down to, you know, you have your target and then you have the business there. And then you're, you're faced with this moral and ethical dilemma about who eats. You know, like, yeah. there's only one steak. And either if they sign, you get to eat the steak. And if they don't sign, they get to eat the steak. Yeah. And that can make you do some really, really poor decisions or and, make some poor decisions. And to students listening, your target when you're a salesperson is everything. Like every yeah, salesperson so. in the world has a target. This isn't some small part of the job we're talking yeah. about. This is the whole thing. This is the job. People wake up 
in the middle of the night because they can't get the figure that is their target yeah. get the quarter out of their head. Yeah, everybody, so target is typically boiled down into a percentage of your target. Yeah. So if your target, let's say it's revenue-based, you've got to bring on $100,000 of revenue, you know exactly how much revenue you've brought on in this month or this quarter, yeah. and you know your percentage that you're at, and it's almost like you walk around with that percentage yeah. of, you know, 85% or 25% of your yeah. target and you feel like you're walking around and that's all you are and that's how you define and measure yourself. So I think that's another really good point is like people go into and do a job, right? And a job is just, I mean, it's undeniably, it's a huge part of your life. Like, yeah. let's not, people, you know, like you spend a lot of you your time, a lot, of time. a lot of time there. It becomes a big part of your identity and who you are. It's the first thing you tell people, you know, this is what I do. This is what I do for a living. Mm. Um, and everybody wants to be successful and feel like they're doing well and sales is such a raw way of measuring you yeah. um, in terms of and it might not be reflective of the quality of the work that you're doing it can really yeah. mess with people's self-esteem exactly put up against the target and it's not looking favorably yeah because you got you come out and you're like all right you know i'm 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 doing all this qualitatively like doing this really good work i yeah. can feel and i'm getting great responses from clients but nothing's nothing's getting signed nothing's getting you know signed on the dollar line nothing mm. i'm not not getting any wins and so my my results look terrible and i look like an idiot yeah and then you start starting to believe in holy crap maybe i'm literally just yeah i'm just incompetent and i'm not a capable person and i mean i get that feeling that's the worst know, every single day that i'm just grossly incompetent yeah we've <laughs> we've had it all we've all had it um yeah. I, for me, sales, obviously every job takes time. So for me, you've heard me preach this before, that the three main commodities and currencies that we use are time, energy, and headspace. Mm. And different jobs take different amounts and percentages of each that we have to offer every day. I think sales is as demanding as any job. Obviously, you're going to have bankers and hedge fund mm. guys and lawyers and whatever else out there to take a lot of it as well. But sales is really, really demanding of your emotions, your headspace same thing similar thing right. your time you're going to work way beyond the hours that are specified in your contract and your energy god damn because it takes your energy and it just keeps throwing it against the ceiling the wall wall to wall back on the floor up to the ceiling back on the floor all day that's the standard yeah. day and so it really can ruin people i mean there's loads of memes out there where you have this shiny new person on the picture on the left like first day in sales and then one week in they're all haggard and they're alcoholics <laughs> yeah. and whatever like it, it's yeah. pretty very tough so you definitely if you are resilient you'll do well if you're not resilient still go into it because you'll learn resilience it'll yeah. force you to learn or at least improve your resilience and i think that's definitely very important and that's definitely why it's big for entrepreneurs yeah i think yeah the last thing i think the my big frustration i think you'll find with sales and why sometimes you know I even wish, you know, like I have these moments where like, why did I go into tech, tech, tech startups and why did I go into tech sales? And yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'm working at Google. It would just, maybe it would have been so much better to just be an analyst at, you know, some company where I can just sit in yeah. a room. I don't have to call people. I can just work away. I can put together a great, you know, I can work on a project or do a great bit of analysis um, because you just have to, it's just yourself. Yeah. Only yourself can let you down. Whereas with sales, you're at the mercy of all of these people. Yeah, a lot of things are out of your control. Out of your control. So, um, and sometimes you you begin to kind of hate them for it because you're like, I'm at the mercy of this, of this person. Like I don't have control over my job. Um, You know, like just like this guy can decide whether I hit my target or I don't hit my target. 
based on what he wants to do. <laughs> and that can really kind of mess with your head a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, I'm sure other jobs, you know, of course, have, oh, have yeah, all their own pressures and stuff. Yeah. But again, as we were saying actually the other day, any job that has high rewards, as most sales jobs do, you're going to always have the downside that comes yeah. with that as well. Um, okay, so in the interest of time, because I said I want to kind of make these things consumable so yeah, people can listen to one bet rather than have like a four-hour thing. Yeah, I can definitely ramble. Apologies, <laughs> no, Apol- no, apologies no. to the listeners, I can definitely ramble. Goddamn yeah. salespeople yeah. are talking. Classic. <laughs> Any kind of um, note of inspiration or anything like that that you wish you were told as a uni student or to give these guys a bit of hope or, you know, anything like that at all? Feel free. You're up the floor. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, I think like I've got a lot of cousins and stuff and they're, they're at uni and they say they, you know, it sounds like they deal with the exact same issues that I did. You know, no idea which, what they really wanted to do. Didn't like what the current options were um, and were just like, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to go into auditing or I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a management consultant or not a lawyer because they weren't doing law, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They do these, they do a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of people I know do, do broad degrees where there aren't definable roles after them. You know, they're doing a communications degree or mm. degree in PR or degree in advertising and they're not super specific about where they go to like that. The, the, the trails haven't been trodden as clearly as say the road into investment banking. And so what I would say is just like, there's so many jobs out there um, and so many cool companies that are doing really cool stuff that you can actually go and work for as a graduate. Like yeah. it's, it's totally possible. And so what my advice would be like, if you don't like what you're currently seeing in terms of jobs, a lot of people, a lot of people will. And I think that's awesome that you know what you want to do. Yeah. But for those people, oh. yeah, like jealous lucky of those people. medical yeah. bastards, yeah. Yeah, like it's great. Like you're lucky, but if you're like me and, or you, you were like me and you'd had no idea what you wanted to do, just read read you know yes. read the news read the newspaper read things like the economist read the business section read savings. learn about all the businesses yeah <laughs> potentially savings yeah read about all the different businesses that are out there look at what they're doing and if those things if that industry or that vertical or or that company interests you um get in touch with them and 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 see like what's possible they they hire and they they do take graduates so like it is possible. Yeah, everyone yeah. needs everyone needs graduates and young yeah. people at some point. I think that advice, you know, that I would just like to end with this as well. It's like I, I hate that advice where people are like, you know, just do what you want or, or do what you love and you'll never work another day and yeah. you know, don't care what other people say and think and like yeah, okay, that's all like well and good. But sounds we, great. But we do care what other people think. We care what our friends think, we care what our family thinks and stuff. But you will find a role that I think if, if you think about it and you think about all the different businesses and companies out there that are potentially available to you and all the different cool things that are doing, the job that you end up going into, not only will you like it, but I think people will respect will respect that job and yeah. respect that company because I think you've, you've probably found something that's unique. And I think a lot of people will go to you, man, that's cool. Like, I wish they I, respect I, you a lot more. I wish that, I got sure. to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that, that would be like my, my takeaway advice. And I know I probably come across as a bit of a wanker, but um, I'm sure I'm much, much cooler guy in person. 45 minutes in, he realizes. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm aware. Acutely aware. No, yeah. that's good. I, I definitely am. I definitely second that. Yeah. Okie doke. Well, we'll wrap it up there just to keep it uh, nice and brief for these guys. Anyone who has even accidentally tuned in and is listening, um, <laughs> I really need questions from students and you guys on this, and, and please feed them through to me on Facebook or on any other platform. Um, 
and just make, let's make this as interactive as we can and I'm going to keep getting people on doing different things and getting different perspectives and hopefully give you guys a little bit more clarity. So this is on June 2nd, this is being recorded, I'll probably put this up at some point next week and um, and go for an episode every week, 10 days, 2 weeks, I don't know, I'll figure that out um, after that, so stay tuned and please give feedback.